Welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch Michaels here for this sports podcast. Hope everybody out there is doing well. We've got a lot of football to break down this week. And I do this with a new guest on the show. It's Brennan Smith. Brennan is a marketing and multimedia manager at Utah Olympic Legacy Foundation. He is a, a sports guy through and through, friend of mine and uh, an Arizona State alum. So he was actually in Los Angeles for the UCLA Arizona State game as well as the Rams. He's a Rams fan to watch them take on the Cardinals. We break down all that happened in the landscape in college football. Cincinnati in the playoff picture. Oregon goes down. Some games we like this coming week. And uh, some NFL news and notes as well. Tom Brady's return to Foxborough, who the best teams in football are after four games. A lot of football talk on this episode of the Money Mitch Effect with Brennan Smith. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect, first time on the show. This is a long overdue appearance here to talk a lot of football. From uh, Arizona State, another Sun Devil on this show. We got to just keep having Sun Devils, I guess. But uh, marketing and multimedia manager at the Utah Olympic Olympic Legacy Foundation. And when he's not doing that and watching the Rams, the Arizona State football and basketball teams, you could probably find him, uh, you know, watching the uh, WWE Network on Peacock like a Los Guerreros match. It's Brennan Smith now joining <laughs> us on the show. Brennan, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for the intro, man. That pretty much covers all the bases. So I'm excited for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, uh, we, we should point out, you know, we, we've crossed paths a bunch. Uh, unfortunately, not this past weekend. You were in Los Angeles. I was not. But you had uh, quite the sports doubleheader. It's a perfect, a perfect set of events for, like I mentioned, a Sun Devils fan and a Rams fan. Now, you went one for two, but it's not 0 for two, so that's my positive spin on it. But we can start exactly. there. Two, two big LA sporting events, and uh, the yeah, highs man. and lows of a win and loss, but also just experiencing the new stadium and a traditional set in the Rose Bowl. Absolutely, just uh, unreal. Taking it back, another friend of the podcast, Matt Wittenberg. We went to Arizona State together, and we just kind of manifested this a few months ago. He's a big cards guy. I obviously follow the Rams, and we just lucked out. ASU UCLA at the Rose Bowl Saturday night, and then Rams cards on Sunday perfect storm um obviously rose bowl is the standard of the old historical stadiums and sofi stadium is the standard of the brand new stadium it was a great mix uh can't complain on a saturday night in pasadena in october gorgeous and sofi is just the standard of the nfl i i can't say enough about how the atmosphere is how the venue is and you can just feel how special it is. And, and this is going to be kind of a turning point for the NFL moving forward of every stadium is going to be measured by this uh, place in Englewood. So just an unreal football weekend. Couldn't ask for anything better. And uh, results were, like you said, one for two. But can't wait to get back to SoFi. It was just the eighth wonder of the world. Gorgeous. Can't recommend it highly enough for Anybody that wants to go to a cathedral of football, definitely get out to SoFi. Well, we're we're going to actually start with college football, but I want to get this out of the way now. And where yeah. where did the Rams fandom come from? You're one of the few people that has stuck with the team through and through multiple moves. So I just want to know where that's come from. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's kind of funny because I actually I was born in Utah, mm -hmm. and my dad, big University of Utah guy, didn't really have an NFL team. Um, then 
moved with my mom to Tucson in third grade. And anybody that is from Tucson or has been around Tucson, the Cardinals might as well not exist. I mean, a little <laughs> bit more with like Kyler Murray, but it's all U of A basketball all yeah. the time. Um, and honestly, you know, I'm not going to pretend I would, I was a front runner. I was 10 or 11 years old when the greatest show on turf was happening. And Torrey Holt just really captured my imagination. He's kind of my favorite NFL player of all time still. And watching Kurt Warner throw it downfield to Oz Akeem and Ricky Prohl and uh, Isaac Bruce and Marshall Falk in the backfield, there's nothing better than that when you're a kid and you don't really have a favorite team. But uh, my favorite uh, early fanhood story was when the Cardinals were still playing at Sun Devil Stadium in 03. And they had Emmett Smith. That was my first uh, NFL game I saw in person, and I'll never forget. Uh, this is a throwback, but Marcel Ship was on that team, oh, and yeah. somebody had a sign that said "Ship versus Sheep," and <laughs> I will always remember that. Oh. It's just burned in my brain. But that was it, man. And then I stuck through some uh, real lean years post Greatest Show, and then they moved to LA, and I've kind of just been. You know, a, a fan without a home, I'm not from St. Louis, I'm not from L.A., but uh, they captured my imagination. And, and now, obviously, with Stafford there, it's kind of coming back to hopefully some uh, more exciting offensive football again. And, and McVay uh, will lead him back to the promised land. We'll see. So. Well, well, I was in St. Louis for some of those lean years, the Scott Lenahan, Steve Spagnola <laughs> year. So if you're sticking with them now, I guess you have to be a true fan. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think the, the, you also mentioned, I believe, uh, you know, the first trip to Canton will be whenever Tory Holt gets in. 1000%. I'll be there. I, uh, as soon as he gets his shot and he should yeah. be enshrined already, everybody else in that offense is there. Yeah. It's I, his time and, and nobody dominated quite like him over those, uh, mid 2000s. Yeah. Especially with Bruce getting in, you feel like it's only a matter of time, uh, for Tory, uh, big game hold L- looking now back at college football, Arizona state got that sure. win at the game you were at. They're back in the top 25 ranked in the AP poll at number 22. They went convincingly 42 to 23. And, uh, it, it's very, I use the word volatile as how I'm going to describe the pack 12 because from week Absolutely. to week, it's exciting. You don't really know other than maybe Arizona, you don't really know what's going to happen week to week, but I'm telling you, man, this is a conference that with Oregon losing, with Arizona State now getting back into the rankings, uh, UCLA's had their ups and downs, to say the least. Kind of hard to ex- to know what you're going to expect on a week-to-week basis from the product, but it has been exciting, and your Sun Devils still have that opportunity to make some real headway in the Pac-12. Were you surprised with this dominating second half where they shut out the Bruins' offense? I was, because... I was actually also in attendance when they played BYU and just penalized themselves mm. out of the game. I mean, it was just like the most undisciplined performance I've seen from a team in a long time. And and going into this game, I was a little gun-shy because there's been a lot of different versions of this Sun Devil team. They have a lot of uh, experience on defense, but offensively, they don't have really a true number one receiver. Um, Jaden Daniels, the, the jury's still kind of out on what his – potential is but it was the most complete performance offensively and defensively I think we've seen all season from them the running game I I don't think you can understate if you're watching this team how big of an impact Chip Trainum has uh they can lean on him he's your between the tackles runner and Rashad White can got to get out to the boundary he's good in the passing game but 
without Chip in the first few games of the season, it was just a different offense. And I think the sky is the limit now with him back there to close out teams, to kind of lean on defenses. And we'll see with Stanford. I mean, Stanford is, is no joke. They have arguably still the best coach in the league. They don't necessarily have the athletes that some of these other teams have in the Pac-12, but they're disciplined. They tackle well. They'll, they'll take you uh, to the limit with physicality and they're kind of on a short week. So we'll see how it shakes out, but you're absolutely right, man. That's the, uh, the PAC 12 after dark moniker is uh, well-earned. And <laughs> I've watched enough of these games till past midnight on Saturday nights to know that mm. the way the standings are in the first week of October, it's anybody's guess what they're going to be by the time you get to the PAC 12 title game. Well, the schedule itself is very you know interesting because it doesn't look that hard on the surface, but, you know, who can say what USC is going to show up? Utah is another team, and you mentioned Stanford. Uh, I just sure. think that with, you know, UCLA's perspective, they get that win over LSU, and some people, some teams just can't handle success. The Fresno performance bookended by this, and suddenly they're back with two losses. You know, this this conference, I think, had the story of the week with Oregon going down to that Stanford team. Right. And for whatever reason, I think you can kind of see it's human nature. You're going to get up for bigger games, but – they came out flat against Stony Brook and against Stanford, very flat in the first half, Brennan. Eventually it was sure. just their defense letting them down. I was I was pretty flabbergasted by that. I came to expect the unexpected, but Oregon with real playoff potential, blowing it the way they did, did completely for me. Yeah, and I think something that there's a common thread in this conference too, that if, if you're not watching it closely and, and you know, a lot of the country isn't uh, just because of, they're out of playoff contention. They haven't been to the playoff in a few years, but there are so many games where you go into it with an Oregon has a CJ Burdell. They've got Thibodeau who could be the number one overall pick. They've got kind of the sizzle, but the teams that have the stake, like the Stanford, the Utahs are, are beat the USC's. They beat the Oregon's because of, there's some kind of magic that happens with the fundamentals where the flashier teams sometimes fall victim to getting a little too confident and yeah. Oregon coming off Ohio state and, and, you know, they're destined for the playoff. They're going to dust the rest of the pac 12 and then they fall to Stanford. It's that's not the first time this is going to happen and it's not going to be the last and don't look now, but Oregon state is uh, finally out of the basement and it's a legitimate challenger to Oregon. So they're, Oregon obviously uh, can ride the ship. They have plenty of room to go. They have that win over Ohio State. So if they're in the pack, they're in the playoff conversation, that won't surprise anybody at the end of the season. But it is interesting that there's just, it feels like there's more stumbling blocks and the way this uh, conference cannibalizes it more than anybody else keeps it intriguing, but it's uh, a little tough when you just want your team to win out and have a shot at the playoffs. So we'll see, man. It's, It's exciting, though. Yeah, uh, this is kind of a good segue, Brennan Smith, here on the Money Mitch Effect to discuss where we are with the rankings, the standings, and just teams that you know are open to the playoff perspective and the playoff opportunity. The big winner this past weekend by far was Cincinnati because they get that win over Notre Dame. They go to the big house and win a – they go to Notre Dame's uh, field, I should say, and win. In a game uh, that was pretty ugly for a lot part of it, Notre Dame's quarterback play was just not good enough. But Cincinnati's at number five. They got the Oregon lost. Iowa-Penn State above them are going to play each other. The rest of the playoff rankings with Alabama and Georgia just seem to be so far in front of everybody else. But, Brennan, the Cincinnati Bearcats have everything they want. Like, you could not script a better first four weeks of the season for them. 
They're number five. Exactly. They've got their big wins. And the playoff door is going to be wide open, I think, the rest of the season, should they win out, obviously. But it's going to be hard to keep them out this year if they go undefeated. 100%. And I, and I think you hit it on the head that there's been so many of these seasons of the playoffs so far that there is always a reason to keep out that group of five team and just the way things are shaking out that Alabama and Georgia are clearly on an upper tier and they're headed for a collision in the SEC title game. But Cincinnati has just the absolute clearest door and path to that third or fourth spot. And it's interesting because they have that win over Notre Dame and you look around and, and BYU uh, is kind of knocking around the fridge and fringes as well. I mean, they, they still the have 12, like they're just <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Number one in the Pac 12 yeah. South. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they still have USC coming up. They've got Boise state this weekend and, and the Broncos are kind of down, but uh, they still play Baylor. And if this is the year to have a group of five team or an independent team, that door might be open to that four spot more than it's ever been. I mean, I, I still think Penn State is probably in at three. Uh, Iowa's defense has obviously been really good, but you're absolutely right. I mean, if the Bearcats are going to make a play for a spot, it's going to be this year because Oklahoma's kind of fooled gold. Seems you know, like Ohio it. State, they'll probably pick up another loss. Uh, Michigan, sort of the same. The Big Ten upper class is, is pretty tough and is going to beat up on each other. So if we're looking at one of those two teams, I think Cincinnati and, and BYU might be knocking on the door when we look back um, at how the season's played out for that four spot. Yeah, uh, BYU, just to kind of talk about them, I, I think they would need, uh, unfortunately the way it is, they'd probably need a little more help sitting at 10. Right. It's very possible for them, Cincinnati, in the driver's seat there. I'm only looking, and I know it's it's so early and we shouldn't even really be doing this, but just speculating how this could go. If Cincinnati goes undefeated, you know, there's essentially only like one real scenario where I'd see them getting kept out. Because I agree, Alabama, Georgia, if they keep going on that collision course for the SEC undefeated, I think they're both in. I mean, how could you keep them yeah. both out if they just – you can't even move the ball on Georgia. <laughs> like, it's just, no, it's insane. it's insane. I mean, that defense is <laughs> that defense is just stifling top 10 teams. So uh, Bama and Georgia for sure look like they're in. I think you'd have that Big Ten spot for – you know, an undefeated if it's Iowa or Penn State, or more than likely that one loss team, whoever that is. The only other scenario would be if Oklahoma somehow in a Big 12 conference runs the table. And and I agree with you. I don't see that happening either. So I think there really right. might not be much of a debate if Cincinnati goes undefeated. The only thing would be if it's a one-loss Pac-12 champion or a one-loss Big 10 champion, would you dare keep Cincinnati undefeated out for one of those teams? Then you might have to ruffle some feathers there and make a tough decision. Right, right. And I I think the, the difference is that Notre Dame game. I mean, I think Notre Dame is going to pick up enough wins mm-hmm. this year that Cincinnati, it, there's just not a good enough reason to keep them out. I'm, I'm a Pac-12 guy, and I think if Oregon kind of rolls from here, that'll be – it'll be tough between those two. Um, but it, it, it's just kind of set up perfectly for them to slide into that four spot, and it's going to take a lot to keep them out. I mean, and if Oregon starts blowing teams out by 30, but I'm not under any illusions. I think even if ASU wins out, they're destined for the Rose Bowl, yeah. not destined for the playoff. That's just how the perception of this conference is right now. And yeah. the, the new commissioner might be uh, changing some minds, and, and we'll see how the next few years play out with the new TV deal coming up and everything else. But I, I 
like I said, the window's wide open for them. And as long as they don't slip up, I don't see a reason you can keep them out. Yeah, I mean, I think if any of these Pac-12 schools like Oregon or Arizona State finish strong, we're so far away that we might even not, not even remember. You know, Ohio State finishes strong, right. and that Oregon game is a distant memory. Notice that we didn't say any ACC teams either with Clemson out of the mix. Like, that conference <laughs> is already shut out. Um, apologies yeah. to Wake Forest, but I don't really see them going undefeated. So, um, no, nah. it's it's – it's going to be an interesting year. And the other the other note on the rankings, too, is not just those teams at the top, but how about all the non-Power Fives that are either ranked or getting some buzz? Coastal Carolina is ranked 15th, and they're the right. third highest ranked non-Power Five. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, yeah. it, the, the level has shifted a little bit. And I mm-hmm. I do think that the how crazy the season was last year, when BYU and when Coastal Carolina were one of the only two teams that played like a full schedule and they played each other in that game that like captured everybody's imagination. I, you know, the pandemic wasn't uh, advantageous in a lot of ways and it obviously was difficult in a lot of ways, but I do think those teams had a chance to showcase themselves when other teams were, uh, they had to take games off because of uh, positive tests or their season started later, but those independent teams and those uh, group of five teams had a bigger profile. And I do think that's resonating into this season. Obviously it was the right time with the right rosters, but you can see with coastal Carolina, I mean, they have like a five, five center. Who's just like an absolute unit, but uh, they uh, are rolling right now and it's elevating the rest of the group of five when we're talking about how conferences are going to be reshuffled with the SEC changing and the big 12 changing. Um, there's a little bit more room for that, that middle and lower class. I think this season in particular with Clemson down um, Oklahoma shaky than there has been in the last five years. Yeah. We also learned you don't need 20 years to schedule out a uh, actual matchup. You can just <laughs> figure it out. So, no, I, I, right. I think we learned a lot last year, and, and some of these teams took advantage of the opportunity. Let's look at some games this week, uh, and I'm going to also sure. put out some spreads as well in context with this. One that one that stood out to me for two teams, two programs really going in different directions, Brennan, Kentucky hosts LSU. Kentucky knocked off Florida for the first time at home in like 30 years. They beat that Gators team that 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 Gators team that had like eight false starts or something stupid like that in that game. They they play LSU as a favorite at home by about three points. LSU blows it against Auburn. They're three and two. They've got five games in a row coming up against the top twenty. And I'd say even though he won that title not too long ago, the hot seat is definitely cooking for Coach O. It's crazy to yep. see these teams in different directions, but if you ride momentum, Kentucky looks like they're in a good position this year. Absolutely. And it, I mean, it's that run game. They're really uh, putting it down on the, on the ground and they had that huge goal line stand. It's just a tough team. And and that's where in the SEC, you're going to break ground. I mean, LSU, obviously it seems like they kind of traded their, their soul to the devil for that title game. Uh, And Coach O is kind of on shaky ground. But, you know, Kentucky's legit, and, and there needs to be a middle class of that SEC, and, and they're firmly in it. I mean, obviously, we talked about how good Georgia and Alabama are. They're not going to reach that echelon, but I I have no problem taking them at home, and, and I think they're going to – I don't necessarily think it's going to be particularly close unless LSU can start punching a little bit above its weight, uh, and we haven't seen that this year. 
Yeah, revamp Kentucky defense has been the difference this year. Uh, I think my favorite bet of the week is probably Georgia on the road at about 14 and a half versus Auburn. The question is, will Georgia get to like 24 points? <laughs> because I mean, and, and I, I'm all for the Bo Nix experience, Brennan. But this does not have this. I, I, I have a funny feeling about this one. I don't have a good feeling about this one, I should say. Because this is not what you want to have a freestyle type quarterback going against a team of literal dogs. Exactly. And, and you, there's uh, an advantage to being able to create off schedule and kind of get out of the pocket. But if you're getting out of the pocket, you're getting chased down by these, this insane linebacking core. And they have the speed to go laterally on defense that a lot of teams don't have. And I think they have that lateral speed better than anybody else in the entire country right now. So in Knicks is Knicks, you know, he, they're they're ranked too. They're in the SEC. They they've been through the battles, but I just don't see how they can get past that defense and how solid Georgia's playing right now. I mean, two straight shutouts. Arkansas, we thought, was a pretty good team. They were ranked ten coming into that game, and they get blanked. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alabama is Alabama, but Georgia is close I mean, and it, it well, doesn't matter we'll who their quarterback is that that's the craziest right. part about it they could start either one of exactly. them and it's no problem right and and that's the other flip side they're they're putting up points too it's not just the defense they the offense is playing well and I, again alabama is, is the standard but they i wouldn't be surprised at all if they kind of take it to auburn a little bit and, and keep them under wraps mentioned Alabama they're going to Texas A&M they're going to College Station as huge favorites and there might not have been a team outside of Clemson obviously that's fallen as quickly in the last couple weeks as uh, the Aggies and it's offense I mean it's crazy to say Jimbo Fisher this guy that's known great offenses and at Texas A&M this was supposed to be the year they contend they were so close last year offensively it hasn't been great we should have known in that Colorado game that there were some major problems here but did not have a good offense taking taking on the tide. It's another one where I wouldn't feel good about this one being close. No, I totally agree. And and you saw it last week. Everybody, there was I lost count of how many features on College Game Day Saturday on Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin and all the hype surrounding that and all the fun and and they just took it to them. And there's A and M just doesn't have the horses to keep up offensively and. We, we still talk about Alabama's defense, but we've seen over the last few years, Saban losing coordinators, uh, offensive coaches are leaving and taking head coaching jobs or jobs elsewhere, and they just reload and go. And it, the the tide, sorry, no pun intended, is changing uh, on this team from being a defensive specialist to an offensive specialist. And they can put it up with anybody right now. So might be a long day for the Aggies. Other quick ones before we move on here. Uh, BYU plays Boise State, a, a depleted and flawed Boise team. I like them to kind of handle business uh, at home. Uh, I actually, you know, you said something about Notre Dame not being able, putting out a lot of wins. I think they could actually be in trouble here against Virginia Tech, especially with that quarterback position in flux. That's something to monitor yeah. as well. Uh, and then the game of the week by far, two top five teams from the Big Ten, Iowa and Penn State. I, I feel like as this game goes on later in the third quarter, an over-under of just 41.5, this is old-school Big Ten football. But this is a very special, very tough Hawkeyes team. And, Brennan, my big concern with Penn State is that Auburn win doesn't quite look as good as it has based on what Auburn's been able to do the last couple of weeks. I know they beat LSU last week, but 
I'm still not sold on Penn State being fully back from a, a horrendous season the year before. So I'll go with Old and Steady in Iowa in this one, which should be a classic. Absolutely. Yeah, you said it. We're going to get old, old school Big Ten football. And 41, you know, I <laughs> we might be going for the under for that. We could be looking at a 10-10 game going late into the third. I, both these defenses are solid. And I think the difference is Penn State has just a little bit more quarterback. Um, and we I, I, give me the other side, and I'll take uh, the Nittany Lions now. Going to be great. Can't wait to see. Last thing on college football, how are we feeling Arizona State? Handle business over Stanford, or is this going to be a little too close for comfort? <laughs> I, I think uh, getting them uh, at home is a little bit more of an advantage. You get a little bit uh, of momentum coming into that. I I think that ASU has sort of figured it out. They're, they've reduced the penalties they learned from that BYU game. Jaden Daniels is, is hitting those bigger plays. They've had a bunch of plays over 40 yards in the game over UCLA that they just, there hasn't been that big play potential since basically Brandon Ayuk left for the NFL. Um, and I think they'll get enough out of the run game. Stanford is, is rock solid, but I think ASU has enough to win that one close um, at home. I think it's, I think it's a huge number. <laughs> I like the, I like the Sun Devils, but uh, I don't, I don't know about as prohibitive favorites like that. It's going to be fun. Stanford has their confidence. Yeah. Obviously, Arizona State has theirs. Should be fun to Give see. Give me the Stanford cover and the ASU win. <laughs> we'll still be happy in that setting. Uh, Brendan Smith here on the Money Mitch Effect, turning our attention to the NFL. Started the game. You also attended the Rams. Got got it put on them a little bit by the Cardinals, who are now the last Very remaining good. undefeated team in football. And we can we can spend a moment on the Rams really quickly, Brendan. I don't take much from one loss in a season, especially against a good team. I, I will say, though, that it was a mental hurdle. Kingsbury just had to be able to beat McVay once to prove he can do it, and I think that's going to mean a lot for them. I, I think the Rams will be fine to bounce back and go back to the drawing board, but you know this game obviously meant a lot to the visiting Arizona Cardinals, and they went out and outperformed the Rams. Right, and I think that uh, you said it just right. Uh, Cliff was uh, lost every game to Sean McVay so far in his Cardinals tenure. And the the thing that is concerning is Kyler Murray converted a bunch of third and longs. He stretched this team laterally. He was picking on the, the third corner, David Long, with A.J. Green, who kind of had a resurgence. Uh, it looked like 2012 A.J. Green out there. Um, and they have kind of a similar matchup. I mean, Russell Wilson isn't Kyler Murray's age anymore, but he can stretch you laterally. I, I think the Rams will travel and they'll rebound from this in this game in a, in a short week. But the blueprint is there, and, and we've seen McVay uh, going back to the Jared Goff years yeah. when they played the Bears that, that week, and the Patriots used the same defensive scheme against them in the Super Bowl, and they, it took them uh, moving Goff and getting Stafford to sort of get away from what their limitations were and and there's some tape out there the Cardinals did a great job defensively and offensively to sort of take advantage of some shortcomings of the Rams scheme and the Seahawks are going to be ready they're going to be at home it's going to be loud and we'll see how the Rams are able to contain Russell Wilson if he breaks out of the pocket and extends some of those plays 
Well, this division just never lets up, right? Like it just there's always the just another game. Right, there's always another <laughs> tough game. There's no wet down game. You can't play the Falcons or somebody like that. It's uh, right. it's tough. Uh, I do think Kyler Murray is probably the MVP of the league through four games. I know it's super early to say that, but he was right around that pace before he got hurt. And if he's healthy and you know he's as accurate as he is, it's a tough team. But you know the Seahawks beating the Niners on the other side of this division. Uh, Russell Wilson had 100 wins now, youngest quarterback ever to do that, quickest, I should say, to do that. A game that they needed to have, a second half that they needed to perform in, and it's the same old stories for the Niners, right? They're a great team, but they can't shake this injury bug. It just always happens to them. I know. It's it's amazing how much it's squandered. Because you can see, you've seen Shanahan's ability to scheme the team up and to cover up weaknesses, but they... On paper, they should be a juggernaut in the NFC and especially in the NFC West, despite how difficult it is, but they just cannot stay healthy. And the jury's still out on Trey Lance. I mean, if anybody can scheme for him, it's Shanahan, but he's there's a few plays here and there, but he's he's still uh, that quarterback who only played one calendar game uh, or one game over two calendar years. And we'll see how he pans out, but it's it's if they weren't in the Rams division, I'd feel a little worse for them. But they uh, absolutely those that injury bug has not gone away, and I don't think we've seen the best that the 49ers have to offer. And I don't know if we will see it this year. I don't want to be too disrespectful to the you know last undefeated team in football, but who who would you say right now, honestly, is the best team in the NFC? Like if you're looking at right now as they are in one game, you needed to win. Who do you think that would be? A lot of choices. I, I, yeah, and I, I think not just looking in the NFC West, but you can look mm-hmm. at Dallas right now is, is playing really well. You can look at, obviously, the Packers anytime you have Rodgers. <laughs> I still, obviously, I got Homer glasses on, but I still think it's the Rams on the whole uh, with the way that Stafford has played, with the weapons that they have, with McVay at the helm, and then obviously you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but they're, they need more from Donald moving forward to be the class of the NFC. They got up for that Buccaneers game and a lot of excitement surrounding that. Uh, so by Tom Brady's coming in, celebrities are out, yeah. but this team has to do some soul searching and figure it out. I would say on paper right now, they're still the best, but the, the Cardinals are hitting their stride at the right time. And they found a lot of balance on offense with Rondale Moore in the slot instead of Larry Fitzgerald. The defense is playing well and, I think the Buccaneers are just a little too shaky with their secondary issues right now, but Brady is Brady. So all of a sudden there's there's more of a muddled top end of the NFC, and it's going to be fascinating to see how it shakes out, especially with how difficult the NFC West is and how these teams are going to beat up on each other through the course of the year. Yeah, week uh, one, I, you got to learn not to take that too seriously with like the Packers just bouncing back after – not showing up against the Saints, but I, I think it might be, it's crazy to say, it might be the Cowboys for me because yeah, of how they've looked. Yeah. Diggs as a corner is probably the best corner in football. Another guy they got in the second round. Dak looks back. They have two running backs in Zeke and Power that can play. Uh, it's a dynamic offense, and if their defense gives them something, I know it's not going to be at their Rams or, or even uh, Niners level, but I mean, if their defense gives them something with that offense, they might be the play. That was a uh, impressive win over the Panthers too, so um, you know, I think they might be it for me. Uh, Brennan, I do, have to, I, agree. I, I do have to ask you, looking at, uh, obviously, the story of the NFL, if anything surprised you about Brady's comeback and how that game went in New England, 
I would say no based on when I saw how it was raining because that's when I threw all the expectations for this shootout points production game out the window. I wasn't too surprised that it came down to a field goal or a missed field goal rather, but were you surprised by anything you saw in Foxborough for Tom Brady's return? I wasn't surprised. And I read something interesting at uh, post in, in Peter King's Monday morning column about how the Bucks went back and actually helped themselves uh, from a 2018 game when Belichick was scheming against uh, finally, funny enough, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense that, it kind of unlocked the plays they needed to make against Belichick's scheme. But he's done this to quarterbacks for decades. And with the rain and, and just how much emotion there is in coming into that return, either you're going to get booed or cheered and you're thinking about every scenario coming in, I'm not surprised it was low scoring. I am a little surprised about how well Mac Jones played in that game. I, I I think all the pressure was obviously on Brady, but there is some pressure uh, of being the next guy and, and the guy that's under center for the Patriots with Belichick against the uh, the golden son that comes back to play against your team. So I, I'm not surprised it was low scoring, but I am. Uh, it was amazing to watch the chess match between those two because you know Belichick's been thinking about how to frustrate him for the from the second he suited up for the Buccaneers yeah, the emotion is just hard to shake in, in an event like this and you had a feeling that Brady wouldn't be completely on his game he played well there was points left on the table uh the decision to kick that field goal at the end you could question it, it hit the uprights there, there were it wasn't like it was totally right. egregious um but no I mean I think that was uh something special to see as well uh, and Mac Jones, it, it was a good, finally we had a good weekend for rookie NFL quarterbacks. Wilson gets his first win. Fields looks great in the win. Uh, you know, Trey Lance, I kind of got thrown in there, was okay, but Mac Jones playing well. So finally, the rookie's showing out, uh, proving that the league's tough, but they can still they can still do some stuff. Yeah, and don't forget about Trevor Lawrence. He didn't make a lot of mistakes, and obviously uh, the Jaguars are, who knows uh, what this turmoil with Urban Meyer is going to lead to, but he didn't make a lot of mistakes. He looked kind of like the Trevor Lawrence we expected uh, that was anointed from the time he was a freshman at Clemson. And their arrows pointing up, at least for his potential. He just got out-dueled by Joe Burrow and, on Thursday night. So, um, yeah, I think some of those guys have better situations and brighter features than others, but it was good to see that uh, next generation take a step. Yeah, he was the uh, He was a responsible one in Jacksonville for sure. Oh, was Trevor Lawrence. A um, couple other things before we, we wrap this up and look ahead to some games here. Uh, you know, my Browns win 14-7. to It was a good defensive performance. There's highs and lows to be expected. The highs being this is the best and most confident I've ever felt about a defense in my Browns tenure, uh, how dominant they played. But, Brennan, we know where uh, the negatives are going. Baker Mayfield did not have a good game. He, he, for whatever reason, cannot connect with Odell Beckham Jr. It's just, it's kind of insane how his performance goes down when he's out there. There are rumblings and rumors that he might not be at perfect health, if which is true, then he should not be playing. I mean, it's, it's you know, you've got long-term goals. He shouldn't be out there. But he's going to have to step up. I love that he took accountability, but... They're going to need more from him if they want to really contend. They're about to hit their their toughest part of the schedule starting this week with the Chargers, and uh, there's no other way to say it. Baker just has to play better. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, good luck with the get-right game on the road against the Chargers from what we saw on Monday night. 
Staley is, is scheming up that defense. Derwin James finally looks healthy. Well, you have and you look at the offense. I mean, it's, it's just like they're going to they're going to bring the heat. It's going to be tough for Baker out there. And you know right, 14 right. points is not going to cut it against Justin Herbert. And I'm just wondering, you've been here before, right? I'm wondering if if Baker Mayfield is the guy or if he is a, a, a guy, a, a journeyman game manager, if you will, that's guided by you know a great play caller, an innovative young play caller. That might right. sound familiar <laughs> to a Rams fan from it a couple years ago. It absolutely sounds familiar. <laughs> And I, it, I mean, I don't want to get too much into a philosophical conversation on this, but it, it's sort of the same debate going into the draft of the Broncos uh, and taking uh, a corner versus taking a shot at field. I, I don't understand how in the uh, 2021 NFL, you're not just taking as many darts as you can throw at quarterback. I, it's it's I mean, a yeah. The absolute most important part of this team, and I and I know there's something to be said for you can't some guys you can push with competition, others you can't, and and if there's so much of this position that relies on mentality and attitude and and intangibles. But uh, Baker, this is kind of a make or break season for him because this Browns team we saw it with the Bears a couple of years ago. They've got a great defense. They've got everything, uh, the table's set, the stake is there, but the sauce isn't with a quarterback. And that defense got old, and, and the Bears are kind of in a place where they they reloaded at rookie quarterback, but it might be too late. And uh, Cleveland doesn't want to find that out. Uh, and you, you're absolutely right. they got the Chargers, Cardinals, Broncos, Steelers. Bengals and then Patriots that's you're going to learn a lot about Baker Mayfield (laughs) in the next few weeks and as much as we've all wished in the fantasy community and in the football community for him to throw it to Otel Beckham Jr. now's the time to do it because you need a little bit more big plays out of that offense you certainly do we'll see how how his health goes forward and how he looks in these games but this is make or break for a guy that's playing for that next contract too a lot of expectations on him for understandable reasons the last thing i have on this week uh brennan is just what happened i don't know if you saw or if you have an opinion on this but did you catch the end of that ravens broncos game i did yeah i i've uh it parsed out a little bit. I, I, I so. just want to. I want to. I want to preface it, and I'll just give you my thoughts on the whole thing. Obviously, okay. I'm, I'm I'm more new school in this. Like, just stop them if you have a problem with that Vic Fangio and them running, you know, running the ball in that situation. But but I do want to bring up one thing as someone that's been a fan of a team that plays the Ravens twice a year and has nothing but respect for John Harbaugh as a coach. They complain about everything that's even similar to this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just hoping he's seen the light and that's going to stop happening. Cause you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, I've seen it. He would not be happy in his media post game press conferences. Yeah. 100%. And I, and I can see sort of both sides like Fangio. I don't think you'll find a more old school coach in the league than Vic Fangio. And he doesn't, you know, when you're up, you kneel uh, and you victory formation and you just try to avoid anything that could get anybody hurt. And I understand that side of it, but, you're right. This is uh, this is this league. We the offenses dominate. The defenses are usually behind, and it's built for offenses to succeed. And if you can't stop them, especially if you're Vic Fangio, because your career is made on being a solid defensive guy, then it, it, you, saying the next day that it's it's unbecoming to go for that record, and I can see it from Harbaugh. You know. 
at the end of the season, this kind of stuff is going to matter for camaraderie. Yeah. And that will go a lot further than one day of criticism from a team that you're not going to see again for a while. But I, uh, that's kind of a non-answer. I can <laughs> see both sides of it. But, uh, you know, once they get that rushing record, if they can, then it's probably going to stop. But I hear you. There's, uh, there's enough belly aching <laughs> to go around uh, from that team. So. Yeah. Just another added bonus and uh, more drama into this league. Uh, Brennan Smith here on the Money Mitch Effect. Last thing, we'll look ahead to some games. You mentioned Rams-Seahawks. I mean, this is this is a great Thursday night game. Seahawks at home. Rams still the favorite on the road. Um, you know the story of this one, right? Can the Rams get pressure? Can they create? Can they stop Russell Wilson from creating those extra plays, extra moments? But, I mean, this is this is a great way to uh, to kick off our weekend of football. Absolutely. And and the if you're looking for Ramskies from this side, it's getting Robert Woods more involved in the offense. Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup has been unbelievable the first few weeks of the season, but it's very clear that he's the focal point and defenses are going to start taking him away. And it, this offense needs a little bit more balance between Tyler Higby, the tight end, and, and Robert Woods on the outside. And again, not to call Aaron Donald out because Aaron Donald is, uh, arguably already a top five defensive player of all time, but the last the first few weeks of the season, he's been a little quiet. And uh, usually he gets right against Russell Wilson. He's had some great games against Russell Wilson on the interior of that Seahawks offensive line. So if there's a time for him to pick it up and, and get a couple of sacks, this is the the time to do it. And on, on the flip side, the Seahawks haven't really gotten a lot of, out of Chris Carson. And this could be the game where they are able to do that. The Cardinals carved up the Rams uh, defense on the ground for over 200 yards. And the Seahawks are going to need a little bit more balance offensively, especially with Jalen Ramsey probably shadowing DK Metcalf to get Carson rolling a little bit and, and lean on him to get some offensive production. You stumped me there for a second because I don't want to push back on Donald top five ever already. Like, I mean, I think he'll get there. I don't know if he's there yet, but I don't have my list in front of me. So I'm going to have to stand down for that right now. But I, I get it. I, mean, it's, I, I get it. it he's, he truly is incredible. Um, have to have me on like in the off season. And we can have a little debate. I need my, so. spread, I need my spreadsheet out here. Um, <laughs> Browns Chargers might be the premier game in that in that second window. Uh, four o'clock on the East Coast. And I know I mentioned, you know, the other side of the ball, but I really think it's going to come down to Herbert versus that revamped Browns defense. Herbert's been incredible, not throwing any picks. We'll see what happens there. Uh, And then, of course, the primetime game. I mean, we (laughs) it doesn't get better than Bill's Chiefs at Arrowhead at night. Um, This is a really a a big opportunity. The Bills got lambasted there in the AFC Championship game a year ago. The, uh, the, the loss week one of the Steelers are three and one, three game winning streak since. The Chiefs' offense looks great, Brennan. Their defense looks terrible. So Mahomes will have to be incredible. He probably will expect points in this one. Absolutely. And, and we've seen a lot more balance from the Bills, which has been good. Uh, Singletary is kind of picking up some production. And, and the big indictment of this offense last year was it was the Allen show all the time and running the ball, passing the ball. And there's a little bit less pressure on him to produce. And I think that balance will pay off in the long run. But this is going to be a shootout. If Mahomes needed it going early 
and we'll see if the Bills pass rush can can get to him and and limit uh, Tyree Kill getting behind that secondary. But it's going to be a barn burner. It should be fun, and and we haven't really seen Josh Allen uh, of last year yet. He's he's played well. He played well um, in the game in the last couple of games, but he hasn't single handedly taken over a game yet, running and throwing. And against this Chiefs defense, that could be the prime opportunity to do that certainly can brennan smith it was a pleasure chatting with you on here uh last last thing what's got your attention in the world of pro wrestling what's like the number one thing on your mind right now as you just man through your day i'm glad you ended it on this one um (laughs) i think it's just just how AEW is asserting itself as this I, i i've talked about it with a couple of our other friends uh it's kind of the perfect combo of WCW, New Japan, ECW that we saw prime time Monday Night Wars in the 90s. And obviously everybody our age kind of compares it to that era. Mm -hmm. But there's so much talent and excitement and and different uh, types of athleticism that's going on in that company right now that it captures your imagination and obviously CM Punk there. Um, Brian Danielson is wrestling Kenny Omega and, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of potential storylines or some good young talent between Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara and MJF. And you, you look at the WWE side, it's still in transition. They had the draft uh, this week and you know, they've, uh, did pretty well when they signed a former gold medalist to be uh, kind of the the yeah. focus of their future. And we'll see what they can do making him into a character this time around. But uh, obviously, AEW kind of rules the roost right now. And it's going to be – it's a good time to be a wrestling fan, man. I mean, I know that that's kind of the, the line. But there's hasn't been this much quality wrestling and options in a long time. And it's it's a cool – experience to be able to watch all these different styles and all these different companies uh be in their prime and and shining at the same time it is it it certainly is there's so much talent i would just say that for me i mean i don't have the the bandwidth the youth would say to watch just all these programs (laughs) of these full shows so i'm a big uh you know youtube wwe network uh you know watcher of individual matches individual storylines and uh promos and it's been great um, there's a lot to like, Absolutely. and I think it's only going to continue to get better, especially as you mentioned, a younger talent. Um, Brennan Smith, appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. We'll get you back on as a reoccurring guest soon, but uh, enjoyed talking football and wrestling with you. It was a blast. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it. Huge thanks to Brennan Smith and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this week's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. If you like the show, share it, subscribe, leave a rating or a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect and the show comes right up. You can also follow me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21. And check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for original content as well. Next week, we'll have more football talk. We'll also have a lot of other sports going on. The baseball playoffs starting tonight, uh, starting this week, I should say as well as uh, a lot of hockey talk. The NHL is back. It's on ESPN and TNT. Got to break down my favorite sport in the whole world. I mean, I like all the other sports, but I'm a hockey lifer. You know me. Uh, That was it for the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again to Brendan Smith. My name is Mitch Michaels. 
Until next time, keep enjoying sports.